It's always a blessing to get to be back with you all for Holy Mass. As I begin my homily, just a couple things uh, to please pray for. All good things, not bad things. So uh, the high school starts back up, Christ the King. I'm the chaplain there right now. Um, and so we start back up Tuesday with our new students. And then uh, Wednesday we begin the year uh, with everybody coming back. Uh, but also something that you might have seen in the, the News Herald this week, uh, Bishop Jugas has asked me to be the uh, new pastor at St. John's in Waynesville. So uh, effective October 15th, I will be heading up to the mountains. And I was up there a couple days ago visiting with Father Sutter, and he's setting the parish on fire, so I'm hoping to, to keep it going while I go there. So please uh, keep that in your prayers over the next uh, few weeks as I prepare to take on that new responsibility. And over the last month or so in our readings, uh, we've had some very powerful readings for Mass, and uh, the kind of the theme for them has been uh, discipleship. And along the way, we've also heard about kind of the potential pitfalls towards discipleship, the pitfalls towards living intentionally for our Lord. With Martha and Mary last month, we, we saw the importance of contemplation and remaining in prayer at the feet of Jesus. And with the Good Samaritan, we saw that we're to, to love and show mercy and compassion even to those who may potentially even, you know, hate our guts. In the parable of the rich fool, we heard how if we don't store up treasure in heaven, then we're not rich in the things that matter to God, and we have a critical problem in our relationship with him. And then last week, we were told to be prepared for we don't know when our Lord will come or when he will call each and every one of us home. And this Sunday, we continue this theme of discipleship, but with a new focus on the potential effects or the cost of living radically for Jesus Christ and being a prophet in today's world. The readings that we heard are ones that people in the world and sometimes even in the church have a hard time reconciling with the popular Jesus of love and mercy and forgiveness, even though he is one and the same as the Jesus of the Gospels. And I think deep down, these readings that we just heard, they they stir us all up a little bit, right? Or at least they should, because we don't like to hear this talk about division. We don't like to hear this talk about fire or this baptism of suffering that Jesus is alluding to. We like things comfortable. I don't think we like to be challenged. Some of us don't. But as Jesus tells us in many other places in the Gospels, intentional discipleship, it requires effort on our part, and it's going to be countercultural. If we want to truly live, then we have to die, right? Die to self. If we want to be free, we have to surrender. And if we live radically for him, it will be possible that doing so will require losing friends and even family members because of it. Because the gospel message at its core, our Lord is saying, will bring division. But why? Why would the Gospels do this? Why would the Gospels divide? Well, our first reading from Jeremiah, it gives us a hint. Jeremiah, he was called and set aside by God to prophesy to the people of Israel. And while his message was not all doom and gloom, his primary focus in preaching was to prophesy judgment on the people because of their sin, because they had turned away and they were growing further and further from God. 
Jeremiah's message was so convicting to these people that they were ready to kill him. So I want us to all listen again to what these people said for their reasoning, why they planned to kill him. They said, Jeremiah ought to be put to death. He's demoralizing the soldiers who are left in this city and all the people by speaking such things to them. He's not interested in the welfare of our people, but in their ruin. He's not interested in the welfare of our people, but in their ruin. Think about that for a moment. Isn't this at the foundation of every temptation that we experience? Isn't this what the world tells us when the church doesn't bow down to its demands regarding issues such as the sanctity of human life from conception to death or of matrimony and the divinely ordered gift of human sexuality? We're told that the church doesn't really care for people. It isn't interested in the welfare of people, but wants them to just be miserable. And by extension, then, what the world is saying is that this Jesus doesn't want your happiness as well, even though they'll embrace the Jesus of love, mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation. But again, this Jesus is the exact same Jesus who convicts and who calls us to be better than who the world tells us we can be. And the temptation to not follow him, the temptation to compromise and believe that he doesn't want our happiness and fulfillment, goes all the way back to the garden, right? The seeds of doubt planted in the hearts of Adam and Eve attacked this trust in God's goodness, didn't they? Now, what did the snake, what did the devil say to them? He said, you certainly will not die. God knows well that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like gods who know good and evil. So from the very beginning, it's been the temptation to think that somehow God is withholding that he isn't as good as he says he is, that he doesn't want us to be free. But we have to remember that the commandments and the difficult teachings, they are not there to enslave us, right? But they are there for our freedom. They're there to free us from being slaves to just our passions, to help us see that we consist of more than passing feelings and emotions and attractions. They're there to show us that true freedom consists in placing God first in our lives and in nothing else. True freedom consists in putting him first and allowing all of our other loves to be ordered according to him, to that first love. But that's what the people did not want to hear from Jeremiah because they had become complacent. That's what the people didn't want to hear from Jesus because they too had gotten comfortable and just set in their sin and forgotten their first love. And when Jesus called them out of it, what happened? It led to the suffering of his passion and the cross. And his church for 2,000 years has experienced the cross in a number of ways as it has continued to preach and teach in Jesus' name without compromise. But what our first reading shows us in its last verses is what the resurrection showed the disciples, what it showed the apostles, and what it continues to show us today. That as difficult as it might be to stand up for the gospel, to stand up for truth, goodness, beauty, purity in today's world, and the holiness of life that God's created us for, 
These difficulties are not the end of the story. Heaven is on the other side. And while we may not be able to fully see the fruits of our labors, our labors for the gospel in this life, as St. Mother Teresa once said, we are not called to be successful, but faithful. The martyrs of our 2,000-year history never got to see in this life what would spring forth from their blood shed for Christ. But here we are today. Here we are about to receive the flesh and blood of the God-man himself and continue to be immersed in his divine life because of their witness, because of their trust, and because in those moments when living the gospel got tough, they remained faithful. And so here in 2019, we need to ask ourselves some tough questions when we hear passages from Scripture such as the ones we heard today. Are we willing to live for Christ, even if it means being disliked? Are we willing to live for Christ, even if it means becoming estranged from family or friends? Are we willing to live for Christ, especially when the cross may be heavier than we expected. All of us here have experienced those heavy moments, but we've also experienced the moments of joy and consolation that come from remaining faithful. And that's why we come back here every Sunday. We come back to be fed because only He can nourish us. We come back for strength because the promises of the world only lead to weakness. And we come back because He is the perfect example of fidelity to the Father's will, even when things get tough in this life. Through receiving his very body and blood today, may we be given the grace to remain faithful to him. May we know that when preaching the gospel in this life gets tough, he is right there with us. He never leaves us. And may we know that when we unite those moments of suffering, or difficulty to his passion and cross, heaven will eventually be open for us and for others. So may we always do so. Amen.